Boom, there it is. What up, ladies and gents? Uh, it is October. We are ready to rock and roll. And this is our first episode that we're doing live in the classroom with like 37 kids in class. You guys want to say something? Go ahead. Scream it out, class. There we go. There we go. All right, let's get this show on the road. Let's get this one started. Here we go. Shut up and sit down. Look, a business can give you everything you want in life. Prestige, wealth, freedom. It can also take everything away from you. This show is for those who are willing to take that risk. These are the real life stories of entrepreneurs. But before we start, I have one small favor to ask. Please leave a comment. It can be advice, critiques, tips, feedback, or share this with someone because your engagement is the most valuable and most powerful form of social currency. So thank you, and welcome to another episode of Business Boss! All right, ladies and gents, are you a rebel? Are you ready to write your own rules, ready to do life on your own terms, ready for more or to reach that next level? Well, welcome to the rebellion. Today's guest is obsessed with radically optimizing performance by helping clients defy limitations and redefine the rules to reach indomitable heights in business and in life. What a perfect guest to talk to in the Business Bros classroom. So let's get ready to talk to a master peak performance and development coach, speaker, and trainer, Miss Amy Ransdale. All right, Amy, the class, uh, class, clap it up one more time for her. Nice. All right, Amy, welcome to the program. How you doing today? I'm doing great. This is, this is great. You're already, I'm already loving it. This is awesome. So thank you. I appreciate you having me here. Not quite you expected, right? No, but hey, you know what? I'm a rebel, so I love it that I'm the first person to get to have the live experience with the classroom. So hey, you know, that's very fitting for me. So I'll, I'm all about it. <laughs> all right, me. well, tell this group of students who you are. You train and uh, coach top 1% performers. Um, I don't know if you can name drop or anything, but what what is a top 1% performance coach? Yeah, absolutely. So to make it like super simple, I work with top tier performers. So let's just take that to the side for a minute. I work with performers and to help everybody understand, like if any of you guys are playing sports in school, right? The, 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 guys, the kids in the classroom, anybody listening, I love sports as a reference. So we look at top tier performing athletes, right? And they'll have multiple coaches. Like, so baseball, for example, if you're playing baseball and you're in top 1%, you've got a batting coach, a hitting coach, a running coach, but you also have a performance coach. The performance coach is, one, is the one that's going to help you come to the game ready to play the game, right? I don't need to teach you how to bat or run or hit. I'm going to teach you how to do all of those things optimally. And that's what a performance coach does. We help the performer be an optimal peak state performance all the time. No drains on their energy or focus, ready to be in the, in the head game and the physical game like they need to be, if that makes sense. So, yeah, it does. It does. My students are 17-year-old seniors. They're about to go out and tackle real life right and in class we have them build little businesses and kind of keep you know trying to build some sort of side hustle some sort of income stream um, but when it comes to focus let's be honest they're 17 years old they don't have much of it what advice do you give to somebody who's 17 years old we're trying to get them to focus on something we think is important but maybe they're not quite there yet 
Ooh, but you just said something super, super important for everybody that's listening. What you think is important is not what they think is important. Okay, so the language is super important here. People are going to go after what is in alignment with what they want for themselves. Okay, and so at this age right now, right? Like, sure, some of you be like, well, I don't know what I want. Um, do that exploration. Get super deep on what it is that you want. That's how the human body works. One of my favorite quotes is Yogi Berra's quote that if you don't know where you're going, you'll end up someplace else. Okay, and that's a focus quote right? If I don't know where I'm going, my brain will literally sit still. So it's easy for me to get distracted by other things because I haven't committed to a certain direction, right? So explore right now, especially your, the 17 year olds in the room, like really explore what is that for you? And as soon as you find it, man, will your focus snap in? You'll, you'll be shocked yourself at how focused you become simply because you figured out what's in alignment with you. So. Um, college is one of those things that they get pushed a lot on these days. And, uh, I have this like this love hate relationship with higher education. I love I'm I'm a believe that education is absolutely 100% valuable. I just don't always think that college is the necessary course for all kids, right? Yeah. Uh, so when you talk about going out and figuring out what you want, I mean college is super expensive these days. So for somebody to go out and try to figure it out at the university level, that might not be the best fit. What kind of advice would you give a 17-year-old kid who's being pressured to go to college but probably didn't do good in high school and might struggle at that, uh, at that phase? And whether they did bad or whether they did poorly or well, right? Either way, right? So here's something I'm going to say. And some of these parents are going to be like, this woman, we didn't want her to do this podcast for these kids. But okay, so I, I, there's a word that I don't love. It's the word should. Should is an emotionally abusive word. And what often happens is we're raised with a bunch of shoulds. You should go to college. You should become this. Culturally, maybe our family's expectations, the world has this set of expectations of what we should and are supposed to go do. But that doesn't mean that it fits with who you are, right? So the first thing I tell everybody is shed the shoulds, right? Like anything that that is people saying, well, this is what you've got to go do, question that. Be curious and just question. You can go and learn and explore a lot of things that the world has to offer without having to go pay that big ticket to a college, right? So go, go again, go find, go find a mentor, go find people that are doing things that you're like, oh, I really super love what they're doing and model excellence, right? There's a lot that you can learn simply by, by, reading about studying and attaching yourself to other people being super successful in the things that you're interested in that has nothing to do with a college education. Not to say that a college education wouldn't be super powerful for some of you. Some of you want to be a neuroscientist, you're probably going to go need to get a doctorate degree. Okay, so let's have a little reality check too. But and also find the people who are doing the things you're like, oh, I would love to do that. Okay, cool. Go model excellence, research what they did, learn about them, read about them you know, follow them, learn that way. And that can be a great way to educate. And then maybe later go to college because you learn that that's the right route. So, you know, when we, when, when I look at some of these kids, they have different types of ambitions, different things that they want to pursue. Um, and like, I think it's scary to step out on your own when you're a minor for a long time. And then all of a sudden you're going to be an adult because uh, yeah. you're going to choose you want to do something. And then you have that person that you grew up with, the culture that you grew up with telling you, no, that's not the right path um, to be a top performer, to be one of those people who's super successful. Is it a dedicated path or do a lot of these people kind of just tread their own? 
<laughs> they they literally write their own way. So we tell people that we work with what's called a rebel archetype. Now I don't need to go into all that with this particular audience this morning, but the, here's the thing that you are going to want to write your own rules, write your own path, right? You can redefine what people have said it's supposed to be. It's your life, right? Now I'm not saying that you want to make choices that aren't also still ecological and, and, and good, meaning that you're not going to go out and do things that harm other people or harm yourselves. Okay. So you're going to go make choices that are going to add contribution to your life and to the world around us. And also let it be what you want it to be. You're just going to have, it, it comes to a point where it may require you rewriting what the expectations of your life were to be what you want them to be instead, if that makes sense. And most top tier performers, they are absolutely rule writers. They absolutely do their own thing. Um, they tend to be that outlier. They tend to do what nobody else has done before. They tend to be the ones that show others what's impossible is actually possible, right? And that means them being innovative and stepping out where others have not, almost always. When it, when it comes to the top 1%, I feel like a lot of times, me personally, when I set goals, I try to set big, perfect goals that I look forward to, that I, that I want to achieve. And I fall short of a lot of that because I, I feel like I'm trying to find this perfect goal that doesn't exist. And then when I look at top performers, they don't have such big astronomical goals. They just focus on like one thing. What's What separates a top one performer from, let's say, you know, the top five percent or the top ten percent what makes a one perform one percenter versus everybody else so i will say actually quite often they do have really big almost that hairy audacious you know impossible goal a lot of them do have that right um they're viscerally connected to it but here's some things that they also do they recognize the smaller step to get there and they celebrate the achievements along the way to get to that goal right um they're not setting a goal that's also unrealistic based upon where they are with time money manpower and resources right like they're so it's somewhat unreasonable and also still something attainable within the metrics that they are going after I will tell you, though, it, it's okay to, to create those stretch goals. Just understand if you've made it as a stretch goal, it's also attainable that, you know, variabilities and things will happen. So keep your grip loose enough, right, that you're not super disappointed if you don't reach it and celebrate every milestone, every milestone along the way, not allowing yourself to slip from going milestone to milestone to milestone. Like, don't just give up. I'll add one more thing to that, too. And it's about time. I think a lot of times people give too much time to a goal, right? So they'll say, well, in a year, I want to whatever. And then they're not super specific about that too. And then what happens is 11 months go by and they get to month 12 and they still haven't done the thing that they said they were going to do. And now they've set themselves up for failure because they can't accomplish it in one month's time, right? So understand that you want to give your, your laws of physics, whatever you give as time, it's going to take that much time. So give yourself smaller milestones in concentrated time, knock them out of the park, celebrate the hell out of that, and then go do another one. So in our, in our class, I have the kids do three goals at the beginning of the week. So they grab a week sheet. Um, they set three goals, three tasks that they need to attain. And then what are, what are some tasks that need to be done in order to achieve that goal? So they got only three goals for the week. Um, okay. And for some of them, it gets difficult even to achieve three or even come up with three goals. Am I setting too many for them or should we shrink it down? How many goals should we be setting like on a weekly or daily basis to, to yeah. achieve massive success? 
So super great question. And also you may not like my, you may love my answer. My answer is for each person to have the self-awareness of attainability of the goals, right? You know, if I said, okay, I'm going to set three goals for the week, but one of them is to fly to the moon. Well, it's not attainable. Okay. So sometimes we just have to, and that's where coaching comes in. You know, I'm a coach, right? So one of the things I'm doing is I'm helping the client be super self-aware as to whether the goals they're setting match where they wanted to go in the first place. Is it going to move the needle forward to the bigger goal that they ultimately want? And secondly, so they'll stay motivated, right? And secondly, is it attainable, right? So I think that's part of it. Is it that you should only set three or only set one or only set 10? No, I think it's more about attainability. And also, are they in alignment with one another? If, if you're going to pick three goals and all three are opposite corners of a triangle, meaning that they're all going in different directions as to who you are and what you want, you're going to be like all over the place, like you know, chasing squirrels and shiny pennies because you can't even figure out what to focus on, right? So that's something else too. Like really, where do these goals all make sense together? You know, if my goal is to become a weightlifter and my goal is also to, you know, um, never, never go to a gym at all, right? I can't do both, right? I mean, so, so make sure that it makes sense um, for you to be able to do them. If that makes sense. What about self-talk, right? So, so I lost you. Sorry about that. There are times where um, I speak to myself in ways that I would never let anyone in public speak to me, right? I, there's things that I say to myself, like uh, something simple, like I stub my toast or call myself an idiot or like I talk to myself pretty horribly at times. Uh, and there are there are a lot of times where I'm comparing myself to other people as well. That imposter syndrome that sets in. How can I curve that? How can I change that? Because I know, as especially as a teenager, you think everybody has it better than you. You also never really think you're as powerful as you actually are. How do we change that that self talk in our head? Oh, and I'm literally cringing as you're saying both of those things. So first of all, self talk, everyone. It's super, super important to understand that language is everything. You have, I, I tell people, let's make it simple. I say you have two brains. You have a conscious mind and an unconscious mind. Your unconscious mind is listening all the time. And it's like a little kid. Okay. And so, and it's listening to everything you say and it's following instructions exactly as you say them. That's its job. Its job is to keep your body alive. This, it's just a survival part of your brain. It just does what you say. So if you say, I'm an idiot, it says, oh, okay, thanks. And then it's going to help you filter all of the evidence in your world to match the belief that you're an idiot. And so, you know what? You'll have a negative day for the rest of the day because you're going to you're going to see all the other things that, that also tell you that that's what you are. Now, that this applies in all, so many different ways. Like, well, if you did bad on a test and you say, well, I'm a failure, there's a big difference between saying I'm a failure and I failed the test. Right. So it's, it becomes identity labels. And unfortunately, what will happen for many is that you'll adopt that belief as a permanent program that you'll carry for the rest of your lives. And then I end up working with some of you when you're now 40 and 50 years old and you're not getting the goals that you want to hit because you're still running a program from high school where you called yourself an idiot. So remember to watch the language of what you say to yourself. Tell yourself positive things. Right. Always twist the language around. Um, my friends know me. I'll say things like I reject that. Like if I say something mean to myself, like, whoa, whoa, I reject that. <laughs> right. I didn't really mean to say that about myself or to myself. Tell yourself how great you are. Right. Tell yourself what you've achieved. Recognize your achievements more than anything else. You know, if you were the first kid to win the spelling bee and the bestest grade or whatever, you know, recognize every single thing you ever did as an achievement. Make yourself feel good. Right. Yeah, you mentioned comparing yourself to others. I think that's a whole other thing, right? 
imposter syndrome is probably one of the most common issues happening with everyone at every level of performance. My top tier performers down to my mid-level managers, like it doesn't matter. We run into that a lot. And a lot of that also comes to simply a belief system about yourself, right? You just simply don't believe that you are what you say you are. And we have to change the language of what you say to yourself and remove the limiting beliefs that hold you there. Well, those limiting beliefs always, I feel like creep up when you don't want them to. And I love how you said, you know, I reject that and watch the IMs because there's a big difference uh, in, in those spaces. Guys, remember, you guys can come up and ask questions. All you got to do is stand there and then and then uh, I'll turn that mic on if you guys want to ask something. Um, so when it comes to that limiting belief, when it comes to kind of redefining ourselves, I, I, I know because I've, I've interviewed, you know, 800 different entrepreneurs. I've read tons of different books. And almost all the time I hear things like meditation, journaling, uh, setting your standards and having habits in place. Uh, from, a, from, from a top performance coach, what are some of the things that maybe some of these students can do to implement in their daily routines to start changing some of those things and developing the habits that'll, that'll make them successful? Absolutely. So I love all the things you mentioned, right? And so I'll just, just to reiterate those, and then I'll give you guys kind of a, I'll pull it with a bow around it. But, you know, meditation is super powerful because what it teaches you is, is focus and being able to be in states of mind that serve optimal thinking without resistance. That's really what meditation does. It's a process for you to get to know oneself and be able to kind of clear the screen so you can stay super focused. By the way, if some of you have said, well, I tried meditation and I couldn't do it. And by the way, it doesn't mean you sit there and go, um, although that's a kind of meditation for sure, um, is that you, the process of simply snapping your brain back to focus is the gift of meditation. So if you find yourself meditating or starting, and then you're like, your mind trails off and you go, and you're like, oh, meditation doesn't work for me. And no, it absolutely does. Because every time your mind trailed off and you were aware of it, you're literally teaching your brain the neuroplasticity of focus, right? You're able to teach your brain to come back to focus every time you do that. So it'll get better, right? Um, you mentioned a bunch of other things. I think that um, in general for limiting beliefs, they're limiting beliefs. If it's something that you really, really have adopted as part of your identity, then the, the key is to get it out of your identity, reprogram what you believe about yourself. Now, if you're not going to work with someone who does deep neurological resets like we do, and you're going to do this on your own, then one place I would start absolutely is how you talk to yourself. We're going to come back and highlight that again, right? affirmations can be powerful, but I absolutely do not love the way people teach affirmations. I'm very anti-affirmation and the way that it's taught. Don't say affirmations that aren't truthful, right? You know, because that's, mm -hmm. it's like lying to your own brain and your brain will be like, I'm not what you said I am. So therefore the affirmation doesn't work. So if you say, I want, you know, I am, you know, um, trying to think of a good, good example. Um, I am a successful entrepreneur. And let's say you aren't one yet. Well, the brain's going to be like, that's not true. And so the affirmation doesn't work. But if you say, I am every day learning and growing to succeed as a successful entrepreneur, as that is the goal I have set for my life, right? Well, that's true, right? And so the brain says, okay, <laughs> I'll do everything I got to do to make that true. And it will help support you along the way. So start, just start there, right? If you catch yourself negative self-talk, flip it around 180 to sentence, make it different. Instead of saying, I am an idiot, say, I am strong and capable and able and, and courageous and smart and whatever else seems to work for you, right? Um, and that's a good place to start. 
Now, I know uh, when I first started learning about stuff like that, I thought it was the corniest thing in the world. Why would I talk to myself like that? Why would I, why would I physically say that? And then you did something else that I thought was interesting. I saw Ed Milet do it. He talks about it all the time. And it's when you reset, you snap your fingers. Uh, mm-hmm. It's one of those things where you are mentally creating a trigger to reset yourself. Yeah. Can you talk about like the importance yeah. of some of these habits and why the snap, why the trigger, uh, the trigger to, to get so, yourself set up that way? Yeah. So for me, that's a natural reflex because I work with so many clients. We use a lot of different modalities to help our clients at the deepest neurological levels. And so we, we establish anchors and triggers, right? Um, psychosensory type therapies. And for those of you in the room, you can go study Google some of these things later. Um, but it is important to give the body something that it can uh create as a reflex, right? And so that's one of the reasons why the snap might work for some people uh, uh, flicking a rubber band, right? For some people just creating a a physical anchor on their body. I have one on my earlobe, right? That means something for me. And when I pull that, it actually triggers a state and a set of emotions and beliefs that I've attached to my earlobe here. So it just makes it super fast for me to switch states, right? So the, so the whole point of having something like a snap, so let's say you have a negative limiting belief and you want to switch to a positive limiting belief, as long as you continue adopting this new belief, stating it to yourself you know, out loud, by the way, out loud and journal it, write it down, speak it out loud, speak it to others. And every time you write it down, speak it to others, speak it out loud, you know, find something like a snap or something that you can do that helps give the body the, the reminder that that's the state and the belief you're supposed to have instead. So then when you're in a situation where you can't speak it out loud, you can just snap and bring it, right? So I tell people to find those. So I have anchors. I don't usually use my hands for my own anchors because I touch my things all the time. So that doesn't really work. Um, But I can use other parts of my body. So let's say I'm in a very important meeting for my business. And let's say I'm not feeling very confident, but I've established an anchor that reminds me of how strong and confident I am. Well, I can go and attack I can go and work that anchor and bring back that thought of confidence without having to say to the room and all corny, like, well, I'm confident today, right? I don't have to do that. So it's, it's, there's some really cool tools like that. And I encourage you guys listening in the room to explore, right? Learn, like there's a lot of, there's so much content education out there now to learn how to do some of these things for yourselves, especially young. I like a. I like some of those triggers. I mean, they make, they make a big difference. And it, it, as you were saying that it reminded me of like, these kids just came back to school after a two week break today. Right. And so I can imagine the alarm goes off and the first thing they're thinking is, Oh, today's going to suck. Right. That's like the first thing that pops into their head before yes. they, uh, before they start their day. Why, why is that so detrimental? And, and what are some things we can do early in the morning so that, or even the night before can hit, yeah. right. So that we can prepare for the day so that when the, the, the day starts, we don't already start off on a, on a bad foot. Yes. Okay. I love this. So number one, going to bed at night, right? So you're going to be in this nice deep state while you're sleeping. And I, Hey, I know a lot of you guys are not going to like this. Turn off the TVs, turn off video games, turn off YouTube, turn off your phone. Like don't be listening to any crap while you're sleeping because your unconscious mind is absorbing all of that. And it's not resting. Okay. Um, The whole point of sleep is restoration and to be in deep states where you can really process solutions and ideas and creativity. So if you will take some time before you go to bed to give yourself, the plan for the next day and get yourself super excited. Now, how do we get excited? Well, we focus on the things that are going to happen that are positive the next day. What goals do you have? What, what would you like to knock out of the park? What good things do you want to have happen? And how do you want to feel the next day? 
and focus on that as you go to bed. And then when you get up in the morning, same thing, right? Giving yourself that excitement, then when the alarm goes off, you're excited. I'll give you a good example. How many of you remember being like in first and second grade and you were going on a field trip, right? Now, mm -hmm. this is not, okay. So when I know I'm going to go on a field trip <laughs> the next day, I don't, my alarm goes off and I'm like, hell yeah, let's go. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm, I'm excited, right? But, you know, on a day where I don't have a field trip, I might be like, oh, I don't want to go. So you've got to give yourselves that same field trip trigger, like what every day can feel like a field trip for you, right? Um, I'll give you another silly example. Um, to, you talked about um, having things to do for the week, right? Well, first of all, if you're going to pick things to do, do they excite you? And if they hmm. don't, can you write them down in a way that does? So here's a silly thing that I do. I don't like the words to do. When someone hands me a to-do list or I even write down to do, I get mad. I crumple it up I'm like, I ain't doing that. No one's going to tell me what to do. <laughs> if I write down, I get to create today and hmm. a list of things, I'm super excited because creativity is important to me personally. It's one of my values words. One of my top six values for me is creativity. So if I get to create today, I can't wait to get up. I can't wait to do all the things, right? So it's all about language and how you speak to yourself. So if you can establish excitement going to bed the night before and then create the, the next day, this belief system that everything you do is going to feel like a field trip, then the alarm won't upset you anymore. You won't even need an alarm. So you guys are talking to a woman who hasn't used an alarm her whole life. I don't use one. I get up every morning without needing an alarm because I'm excited about my day. If that makes sense. <laughs> That totally makes sense. Yeah. I mean, when you're, when you're excited, I have a hard time probably falling asleep at that point, but, but it is what it is. Um, I want to make sure that we get your contact information out as well. So what does it take to work with you, Amy? And how can people do that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think I gave you my Instagram handle. People are welcome to go there. I do have help. So um, I'm also the CMO of a virtual assistant provider. We have um, lots of virtual assistants that support us. Um, if you'll if you'll DM me there, that's why I've been telling they've been telling me to send people right now. Um, they'll hook you up with a link to book a one-on-one -on -one discovery call with our team. And we just do a quick, what we call high flame um, call to see, you know, where you're at and where you're wanting to go and whether it's going to be a fit to work with us. Now, I'll be honest, not everyone's a fit to work with our level of coaching, um, but we still love to have that conversation to explore and see. So um, just go there and we'll send you the link. What's been your experience? Oh, I lost you again. I'm a movie. My bad. So okay. when you step into coaching space, um, mm -hmm. like you started in this space, did you move your way up to working with one percenters or like you just started, this is, this is what I want to work with. This is where I want to be in my life. This is where I'm going to go. So my answer is both. Um, and I super, super love that question. And this I think is really great for a lot of the, especially the young entrepreneurs, betting entrepreneurs you probably have in your room there. Um, is that we, we, life is all about curiosity and experiences for me, right? So it's all about, you know, what kind of things can I create and experience? I've always had a coach's heart. So have I, did I start right away coaching top 1% performers? No, not necessarily. I stepped into coaching in all kinds of niches you could imagine. So I've done business coaching, tactical coaching, real estate education coaching, retail brokerage coaching, like you, you name it. And I have, I've done some sort of tactical support coaching in some way all those years. But my obsession and my passion has always been that top tier performer. So simultaneously in my first corporate job, I actually was working with top tier sales performers to perform better. So that's where I've always had my biggest love, if that makes sense. So to speaking to the kids in the room, follow what you love. 
right? And when you do what you love, you'll 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 do it well and you'll enjoy it. You won't you won't care about the alarm clock, right? So as time went along, we just kept remeasuring where we were at and said, you know what? This is where we seem to get the greatest results, have the greatest impact, and where we love it the most, right? And so that's really what led to us getting to the place where we pretty much only work with what we call top tier performers or top one percent performers. And that's just because that's where we get the greatest impact, the greatest results, and where we have the most love for what we do. It doesn't mean that there isn't value in all levels having coaching and being a coach at any level. Um, I have friends who coach beginners in different things and have a blast doing that. Um, so, you know, find your niche and just go for it. But, you know, sometimes chasing what you love isn't always the most lucrative, right? Um, how do I balance out, you know, getting started versus trying to make that buck, especially when it's yeah. something that I love to do? Yeah, you know, so mm, I think for everybody, that answer is going to be super different, too, right? For some people, it, it, to me, okay, let's boil it down to this, a measure of success. I think that success by definition is a 180 degree spectrum of, of, of possibilities there, right? Success to one person is extreme wealth. Success to someone else is lots of quality time and everything in between, right? So I, I think for your question to be really answered is get crystal clear on what it is that you want so that you can design the business and the lifestyle that matches what you want. This is super important. I know a lot of people who just skip that step and they end up very frustrated because they're like, well, I got to make money, but I love what I'm doing, right? Instead of realizing that what you're doing could probably make money if you just change your focus around to this is how I want my life to live and reverse engineer into this is how I'm going to do what I love to make the money I need. Does that make sense? Some people That's never funny. know what money they need. They just don't even know. And so they're just, they spin the wheel for years, not understanding how to move it forward. Oh, and that'd be scary, especially uh, you don't realize it when you're 17, but then you blink and you're you know 40 years old and all of a sudden you're like, what did I just do with the biggest portion of my life? I need to switch some things around. Midlife crisis comes around the corner. All right, Amy, we're running low on time here. I want to make sure I give you the floor. Any final thoughts? No, well, final thoughts. I just think it's super awesome that you have a, a, a group of students like this. You guys really the world's your oyster. I know it sounds super cliche, but it's absolutely the truth, right? You have all the power in the world. So if any of you have ever watched Wizard of Oz, there is this scene at the very end with Glenda the Good Witch and she looks at, at Dorothy. And if you know the story, she's been through like flying monkeys and melting witches and all kinds of crazy stuff on this long trail on this yellow brick road with these stupid ruby slippers on, right? And she gets to the very end of the movie and the witch looks at her and says, well, dear, you've had the power all along meaning that she could have gone home at day one. She didn't have to go on that long journey, but the journey is what gave her all the lessons and the experiences and the connections and the things. So enjoy the journey and understand that you have the power all along. That's my final message. Awesome. I got one uh, student question. So here we go. Ooh, I heard that. Okay. So I have always had a coach's heart. And to me, my personal, so we talked, we talked a lot about today about finding your passion. What is it you want to bring to the world? What is, where is it that you want to have the most impact? And what does that look like for you? For me personally, the greatest impact I have always experienced and have always wanted was to help people live beautiful, extraordinary lives. And so I have found through years of trying different things that where I had the most impact was as a coach and where I enjoy life the most, I feel most fulfilled. Now, 
about to your point though, I'm a multipreneur. So I, I have also been a real estate investor, a real estate agent, a broker, a brokerage owner, a CMO. I have owned multiple companies. <laughs> I have done a lot of things. So I've worked in the corporate world. I've worked as an entrepreneur for over 20 years. So I also am, but I'm all about creativity and building things. I love building businesses. So you don't have to necessarily also pigeonhole yourself in one direction, all of you guys too, right? Like, so I'm, I'm a perfect example of that, that even as I talk to you right now, I have a brokerage, right? So there are other things that I do. So just understand that the, you really you really get to choose what it is that you want. And if you go at it with volition and love, it will happen for you. Perfect. All right. Well, Amy, thank you very much for coming on the program. Uh, really enjoyed you taking the time. Hey, guys, give me one more round of applause. There we go. There we go. And, uh, of course, ladies and gents, make sure you guys check out uh, – I, Amy, what about your book? Can you tell me about your book? Yeah, we have a book coming out this year called Rebellious Rule Rewritten, and it's a lot about my story, um, uh, which is an interesting one. It will answer some more of the questions the kids had about why I do what I do. So um, we're putting that out, and then behind that will be something called The Rebel Code, which is all about how rebels operate as top performers. I'm super excited about that. All right, ladies and gents, make sure you guys check it out. You guys can follow her uh, on her social media. We got it here, here on the screen, Amy Ransdell underscore coach. Or you guys can follow her on her website, rulesrewritten.com. Amy, thank you very much for coming on the program. Ladies and gents, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace. And we're out. It's over. Go home. Is your business in need of marketing? Try starting a podcast. But not just any podcast. Podcast like a pro. We can show you how to take your business from being invisible to becoming a brand people trust. Go to www.businessbros.biz to get started today.